Hey, I'm Brian Hyatt, and this is Rolling Stone Music Now. Very excited to have with me today Sebastian Bach. Welcome, man. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Rolling Stone. Thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. Sebastian has written a a truly excellent uh, autobiography, uh, 18 in Life on Skid Row. You got got it all into the title. Well, you know, first of all, I've got to thank Rolling Stone Uh for the cover of my book. That right, that's the yes, that is the cover. The, that, you guys have a lot to do. Did you see the the poster or no? No, I've not dude, seen that. No. Dude, put that in your hand. I want to show you something. Uh, yes, I'm. Watch, it is, yes, watch. Now yeah. undo. Oh, open oh, 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 oh! Shit. Open that up. Oh Keep going. shit! There, oh. there it is. That is yes. Inside the uh, you know, for 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 those keeping track at home. Yeah. Those in uh inside the uh the jacket yes. of of Sebastian's book is the uh very very uh, alluring. <laughs> picture from the cover of uh, Wrong Stone. In, Wrong. I think, in, uh, oh, no. This okay. is the frame after that. Oh, shit. This is okay. not the cover. This is the this is the next frame after that. After well, the cover. What was the photographer saying to you <laughs> in that moment? Like, like, give me Mark Seliger. Yes. Oh, I know Mark. Okay. Yeah. 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 And no, but uh, but you haven't let me finish oh. my train of thought. The, I learned in a book when I started. I go well. The pictures will be the easy part because I have a billion pictures. I didn't know about the process of clearing photos and getting permission and paying money for them. <laughs> like uh, okay, like when we did Saturday Night Live in '91. Um, you know the picture that they they'll put on at the commercial break, like of the band, totally coming yeah. up. Yeah. So I had that. They gave us each as sure. a, as a memento, like the print of that each got band member. So I saved that, and I go, well, that's got to go in the book. But then they wanted to charge me like Saturday Night Live this outrageous amount of, of course, money, yeah. and I'm going, well, what 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 do you mean? Like I I saved this picture for like thirty years. Nobody's <laughs> ever gonna see it. But I I have known that my most iconic photo that I've ever taken obviously was the cover of Rolling Stone. And I said, if I ever do a book, I have got to reach out to Mark Seliger to, to use a photo from that session. And he could not have been more accommodating. Your Rolling Stone. I, you know what? Harper Collins says, you'll never get that photo. And wow. I, I go, you know what? I'm going to email Rolling Stone magazine and I'm going to ask them. Yeah. Within a second, I'm getting emotional now because yeah. within within five minutes they go, I got I don't know who it was, but one of you guys emailed me back. Sure, Sebastian, we'd love to get you those photos. Who do we contact? What what do we do? What and I forwarded that email to Harper Collins. They were like, Wow, dude, because <laughs> I think they've tried to get. Yeah. Photos before and there was nothing, right? No, we we still had to pay, but it, you get what you pay for. Yes. So yeah. so we Mark Seliger, the greatest photographer in rock and roll. I get the photo. I he sent me this whole the whole session to pick which one, which was really nice, you know. Hadn't I had never seen the photo session. The outtakes, yeah. I had only seen the magazine. Yeah. And uh so I go, hey man, let's make it like Tiger Beat. Let's make it like Super Teen. Let's make it like <laughs> Circus or Hit Parader and have a full 
color fold out poster and Harper Collins like okay <laughs> <laughs> and then like now I was up at the Harper Collins offices and they're like we're we're going to do this more because nobody does that like on the back of the thing that's like nobody uses that real estate you know? yeah and and they everybody the like the president he's like we're do it we're going to do this in other books you yeah, know, it's, so. it turns out like the the circus magazine yeah, mentality that's that, right. is going to revive book publishing. Well, you just, I don't know. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, it's <laughs> like all this space. Put a picture on that, you know, like a gatefold sleeve. You know, it's like vinyl's back. I love vinyl, and uh, this 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 book is like stepping into the eighties. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I, that's what it's like, man. I, yeah, I was thinking. I mean, you had a very peak eighties eighties. You had a great. <laughs> fucking 80s but we were one of the last ones under the rope yeah well, you know I thinking, what i mean i was we thinking, were one of the last bands in the history of rock to sell millions of records we were one of the last bands yeah you sold more records in like one county than orange county yeah. gold in just one county <laughs> then most bands will sell in their <laughs> whole career right. now you know it's, it's a not making this up different time uh you know <laughs> And I was Thank thinking, so I mean, much. around the time when you were like sort of dating Christina Applegate was mm -hmm. in the book was the moment I was like, I was like, man, you had the 80s everyone wanted to have in the 80s. You know, it's just, <laughs> you know, well, you know, I don't know. You can Google this. She did it. She did an interview recently on, on some television show. And I, I was and she they, they go, what was the dumbest thing you ever did? Uh -oh. <laughs> and her answer was, well, one night I ditched Brad Pitt. For this other guy. And I'm happy to say you're now interviewing that guy. Because <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> but she wouldn't mention me by name, but I'm happy to tell you, there was a time <laughs> when I was a hotter lay. Not that that happened, but when I was a hotter catch yeah. than Mr. Brad Pitt. Take that, Brad. Uh <laughs> There's also a, a, among How many dudes can say that? Very, 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 very few. We're talking uh, Legends of the Fall, Brad, when he had hair like this. Yeah. No. Actually, that, it was probably be it was before that, I think. That was yeah. the legend of his fall when he oh. fell to you. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> well, there's so many great stories in the book. I don't even know where to start. But well, there's one there's one night uh, where you actually went out with... <sighs> With Axel and David Lee Roth, yes. the three of you together, yeah. Um, and it's time. It 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 all. It didn't end well. But but what what was the best part of that night before it went wrong? Well, de it de depends on how, what you define best as. <laughs> uh, the one of the worst parts was when I, as you you know, I have long legs. Hello, <laughs> newsflash. So it was so packed in there. The only way I could get around the room was like would stand up on the table of the rainbow and then walk from table to table. And the establishment lost their minds. Like I got, I got banned from the rainbow for, for like a year. Uh, Tony called up doc and said that, that fuck that guy. He's never coming back. And they've let me in since obviously. Yeah. And you know what they said? The difference is they go Sebastian. We, we let you back in here. When you switched from whiskey to wine, <laughs> that's when you were admitted back. <laughs> it, 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 it is a, it's, it's, it's a, which is totally, yeah. I totally get it. 
I wouldn't want me in there either on whiskey. Yeah, that's a recurring theme in the book <laughs> is that the, the whiskey, uh, the whiskey and Sebastian. It does good... not agree with me. Yeah. I don't understand that. You know, when people like doctors, they'll say, there's no such thing as a tequila buzz or a wine buzz. Bullshit. Uh -huh. Are you, like, they could, I don't know how you guys are built, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I don't, I don't like my drummer, Bobby Jarzombek. Yeah. He's from Texas, uh -huh. and he can hammer whiskey and like I read Neil Peart's books from Rush, and yeah. at the end of every day he drinks the Macallan. Right? I don't yeah. know if I'm saying that right. McCallum. McCallum. I, I actually. And I, yeah. I, I, I don't. I don't. I don't see how. Well, well, to, to be fair, last year not to not to name to do my own name dropping. Neil and I, I, I did a Rush story, and I, I drank I drank that with Neil, and he has a glass oh, and a okay. half. Oh, okay. You know, All it's right. he's he's a you know he's, he doesn't. He's, Pound. No, no, no. Neil Peart right. doesn't pound anything. You know, right. he's a very measured uh, gentleman. He pounds literature. Yeah, he pounds literature. Yes, yes, he does. He does. And, uh, but yeah, so that would explain it. Yeah. And, okay. and, 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 uh, very good whiskey it was, I must yeah. say. You know, uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't, it doesn't agree with me. It does not agree with me. <laughs> and then, so, so that, that night, uh, basically what happened was David Lee Roth kind of, turned on you and Axel and, and, and I don't, yeah. you know, I don't, you know, I really don't want it to come off like that, yeah, but, okay. but, but in the same way that I can't drink Jack Daniels, like I just watched, I, I also describe how that happened to Mark McGrath the, the yeah. night before I was on Broadway. It's like, when did you give up? I go, let's see you do eight shows a week. <laughs> That's like another level. Yeah. What kind but, of giving up I, is that? But yeah, I'm just saying like whiskey <laughs> to me in my experience turns people like combative and, and like for me, I just want to kick a window out or something stupid. Yeah. I don't know why it does that, but Dave, you know, he's, it looks like I got a couple pretenders to my throne. I said, I said, uh, rah, rah, rah. and we're like, what? I mean, I, I, I'm, I'll look at me. I am a pretender to the David Lee Roth throne, but, yeah, but that's Axel not, didn't Axel, take it like that. Axel didn't, wasn't buying that. He yeah. was, he was, uh, he was like, I ain't a pretender to anybody's throne. I mean, listen, God, God bless David Lee Roth, but both you and Axel have about, you know, nine more octaves each. Than, 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 than hey, David. don't, let's, let's, yeah. let's make it clear. Those yeah. screams on those Van Halen records, those high running that's with true. the devil screams. That is those true. Those were incredible vocals you know that is true and there's of course mm -hmm. that the uh the isolated vocal track from running the, the i never was heard amazing. oh, oh you got to go on youtube not, really yeah, it's, it's from really van cool. halen one it's, it's yes oh it's my very gosh. cool but it also it's it's weird because he's you know it's janky in parts but then the it, it's it, there's so much personality yeah this scream it's yeah crazy yeah, yeah yeah it's like ian gillen <laughs> southern california style I, you know, it, exactly. Yeah. It's, it sounds like you and, uh, you and Bon Jovi made up, um, you, you reached a, a good place. Are you worried at all that, uh, if John Bon Jovi reads this book, he's going to be mad at you all over again? I, I don't think so because it, this is from a long time ago. Yeah. I mean, this is a book about a long time ago. Yeah. I, you know, I mean... Is he going to get mad about the end of tour hijinks on the New Jersey tour? Like, like I mean, I, I think he's got others. He's hanging out with Hillary Clinton. I don't think, he, you know, you guys greased up the drumsticks. Like, really? Like, you dump flour on me. Like, I don't I don't know. Well, I mean, what I, I, is that? Are we going to get mad about that? Like, what What do you think about him firing uh, Richie Sambora? I, I, I can't speak on 
I don't, I don't know the situation. I mean, I don't know. I got, I got fired from Skid Row. I can tell you about that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know the situation. This is a part of your book where you talk about, I think it's Vince Neal being interviewed by some journalist. And they're oh, like, yeah. They're like, what do you think about, I don't remember who it is, Bon Jovi or whatever. No, Guns like, and Roses. Guns and Roses. Like, why don't you fucking ask Guns and Roses? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, Vin, that's Vince. So you're taking that, that approach of, right now. Yeah. But that was one of my first ever like European interview days and we were seated uh, in the catering section of the arena in Norway, in Oslo. And it was so cold outside and I was about 20 years old, maybe 21. And Vince was there and he was like my hero. And they're like, so Mr. Vince Neil in this Norwegian, what do you think of this new band Guns N' Roses? He's like, I don't fucking know. Why don't you fucking go interview fucking Guns N' Roses? fucking roses and ask them about that and i was like <laughs> so I, that's how it's done i, I yeah. can do an interview like that like just tell the guy to go fuck himself like wow this is awesome first question fuck you <laughs> but by, by the as you know we are allowed to curse here so good news well, um, that's, 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 it's your show we are go for it right. and on itunes we get an explicit uh, so so it's all good okay. go for it this is uh, rolling stone, uh, rolling stone fucking rolling stone so uh you know the um <laughs> but i would I will say it, it's almost it, it's only a rock and roll adjacent story, but I think possibly the best story in the whole book is the completely horrifying story of what happened after the dude broke your nose. You know, uh, you know, I've been doing how many interviews have we done? Like three days worth nonstop from 7 a.m. till <laughs> 10 o'clock at night. And everybody ha tells me a different thing that comes out. Yeah. That's it's, good. It's That's a good sign. But but everybody's relating to a different. Well, you know what? It, 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 it's it's like having an album and everyone tells you a different favorite song. That right means on. the album's good. I'm, you know I'm, what I mean? I'm down yeah. with it. Yeah. But but that part is is horrifying. Yeah. Like, I, I don't. <laughs> I mean, I I the book. I I said, what are you going to write about? And you know, when when you go out with your buddies, go out to dinner, you'll tell some stories, and people will be like, "Are you fucking serious? Are you kidding me?" <laughs> I go, why don't you write those down first and then see where you're at. And that story of me getting my nose broke by the Hells Angels at a Motley Crue concert. Way to go, Motley Crue. Thanks. Thanks. And you were, all you were doing, you were pumping your fist with well, enthusiasm. You, yeah. You've been to Hammerstein. Sure, yeah. It's small. Yeah. And, and the pit, it was tiny. And I was, I love Motley Crue. I was out of my mind. I fucking shouted the devil. <laughs> you know? And I just caught my arm back. And I just rifled the president of the Hells Angels in the nose. <laughs> don't, 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 note to self. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't do that. It's not, not a good idea. They don't like it. Uh, and they don't put up with it. And <laughs> So the dude like deliberately. They, they want to kick your ass. Like, he like <laughs> he he deliberately he viciously breaks your nose. No, yeah. He 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 gently oh. broke my nose, <laughs> which is surgically sort of. Yeah, sur it was yeah. precision. Yeah, he placed his knuckle. This wasn't like a biker guy with long hair and rock and roll. This was like a sixty-year-old big man with right. short hair and after i rifled him in the face i turn he goes what the fuck and i turn around i go 
Come on, dude. It's the crew. <laughs> what? What? He's like, ah! <laughs> and he holds my head down. And I go, oh my. I go, this isn't so bad. Like, I'm not going to fight or anything. I'm just going to stay here. And then he just got his knuckle right to the side of my nose and just went, crack. And just like moved it over. Ugh. It didn't really hurt, even hurt. But I knew it was fucked. And the next day, I wake up in my house. I look at, I go backstage. Tommy Lee goes, hey, man, how you doing? I go, well, I got kicked out of my band. I got dropped by my record label. I just got punched in the face by the Hells Angels. Other than that, I'm doing great. <laughs> 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 boom, 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 boom. <laughs> and uh, oh, I got dropped by Sure Microphone, so I forgot about that. Uh, <laughs> You're off the roster. Uh, but um, the next morning I woke up and I didn't really think that. I, like I partied all that night. I I, I drank and went out in New York. D didn't anyone nose. say to you like, dude, no, your fucking it, it nose didn't is look, yeah. It didn't look that different. But yeah. the next morning I woke up. It wasn't bleeding or anything. I woke up and my nose, my nose was like here. It wasn't here. I go, holy fuck. Like he moved it over. <laughs> Very gently. Mm, crick. <laughs> and I go to the doctor. I go, he goes, your nose is broke. And I go, yeah, this is me. And I gave him the cover of Rolling Stone. <laughs> he goes, here's my nose, bro. He goes, oh, I get it. Okay, all right. <laughs> and I don't want to, spoiler alert, that's yeah. enough. You got to yeah. read the book to find out how <laughs> shitty my life was after that. All right. <laughs> Uh, Fascinating tale. Oh, come on. We can't talk about how you woke up like a zombie in the middle of the operation and tried to oh, kill everyone? Oh, God. I don't... I mean, <laughs> who was that guy? Where, maybe there's video of that somewhere. That would be sick. Because I don't... I, it's hard. So a lot of this book is is hard to talk about. and It's like therapy. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And I... Um... But, but that... <laughs> that you don't you don't remember. You were told no. what happened, which is that, that you... Like that, a month later. That, they're like, you don't remember you woke up and, and, yeah. and basically, because basically what they didn't realize is this for someone who had been using recreational pharmaceuticals, uh, anesthesia can be not function in the way that it's supposed to. It didn't work. It didn't work. I got up off the table with my nose off my face <sighs> and I walked on down the hall. <laughs> <laughs> And, and he told me they got five. Uh, he said, you were acting like you were being attacked. Yeah. On the, you were like, stop it. Like he goes, and we could not stop you. And he told me that they got th three guys with like the needle that is in the show mash and like fucking hammered it into my thigh and knocked me the fuck out. And uh, that was the only, uh, I was, um, I was almost, they told me I was on my way like to the, to the waiting area, <laughs> like where there's kids. What the fuck? With no nose on my face. I, I oh my god! Like, okay, there's that's going in the book. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will say this. I will say this. We have you know Ozzy, Lemmy, the most rock and roll people who ever lived. They don't have a story to match that. I will say this. <laughs> so, so there we go. Um, Hey, listen, so this is uh, Rolling Stone Music Now. We're talking to Sebastian Bach.
You know, let me say one other thing in regards to Rolling Stone. Okay. You know, some of these rockers, you know, spout off about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame all the time. And I, yep. and I, as I, you don't ever hear me doing that. The reason is rock and roll is supposed to be fun. You know, it's supposed to be fun. And, and like, here, here's an award for your rock music. Like, <laughs> what's there to complain about? Like, yeah. I, but, but the reason I say that is because I have to give credit where credit is due. When you guys put on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame show where you inducted Kiss, yeah, the speech that Tom Morello gave was <laughs> so unbelievably exciting. And he captured what it was like to be a little kid into the band Kiss. Yeah. And and I was like almost in tears. I probably was in tears, like yeah. listening to that. And I and I I was working on my book and I go, dude, you've gotta get it down the way he did. Look with you gotta capture that excitement of what it was like to be a fan uh, when you were a little boy. And I really think I did uh when I read it back. But but that speech gave me a kick in the ass. Yeah. That I, was an incredible speech well I, I must i did i did around that time i did kiss his first finally kiss his much belated first rolling stone cover story a couple yeah, years ago oh, i remember yeah. that yeah and so but reading your description of what it was like to be a kiss fan how much impacted you one of the things i thought was like man i hope the guys in kiss read this because i think actually will mean a lot to them for real you well know? you know i mean this is that it shaped my life you know it definitely did and i, I wasn't the only one and and uh you know, sometimes they'll do an interview and they'll, and they'll say on the Dynasty tour, it was weird for them because there were so many little kids. There. Right. And I was one of those little kids. And so was Tom Morello. Yeah. We're the same age. So it was Dimebag Daryl. We're all 48, 49. Rest in, rest in peace. But, yeah. but we were those kids, dude. And we all became rock stars. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm not a plumber. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no offense against plumbers. <laughs> you, you, uh, you, you grew up in this like comic books reached out to you. Yeah. Kiss reached out to you, and it, you know, very so. It's funny. You, your dad took you to the Marvel Comics office. My, my dad took me to the DC Comics serious? office when I was when I was seven. So it's like, <laughs> and I, I, I think that also ruined me for life because how do you, <laughs> how do you go back to something normal when you see <laughs> when you seen that or when you see Kiss when you see rock and roll? And I think. That's what you talked about is like you saw this world that was so much better than the normal world and you were damn sure that you were going to be a part of it. Well, I was going to do my best, you know, my, my dad painted pictures yeah. for a living and, and he taught me by example, pick something that you love to do and then you're never truly like working, you right. know, like my job here is to talk about my book that I wrote, like killer, I'll, I'm down. I don't care that I haven't slept in four months. But, you know, <laughs> it doesn't matter. You know, <laughs> it, I thought it was, I thought it was interesting that you, um, as your voice started to change, you tried to fight it by singing and high music. Do you I, really think that might've worked? Well, NPR, I did that. Yes. They, yeah. they were fascinated with that part. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I really did do that and I can still sing pretty high. Um, it's, but, uh, I, I I had before I sang, my way of making friends was being the class clown, and yeah, making jokes and making people laugh. Um, but when I sang, I didn't have to do any people. T 
talked to me like with respect and they had this weird look in their eye like of like 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 and and it was all just because of singing yeah so when i felt my you know as i didn't want to be peter brady like time to change we got to rearrange (laughs) (laughs) i was like like, i'm not doing that and that brady bunch episode was like in my head i was like peter brady man (laughs) so i So I locked myself in my dorm. I was living at Lakefield College School in Canada and and I and I put on the police. Bring on the nights. I couldn't stand another hour of daylight. Or hey Monty Brontosaurus. You know that? Um, yeah, yeah. Walking in your footsteps. Anything totally. I could find that was up there. Yeah. I just kept singing it over and over and over and over. And I can still sing sing up there people forget there was a tremendous before one of the things that that switched over in the 90s is like sort of post eddie vetter is yeah. dude started singing real deep you know song she said you know there's this jeremy's so, broken <laughs> so, so, so but before that there was this tremendous premium uh-huh. in singing high that was what yeah. was needed to do to, to be a kind of a, a rock star in, in the in that milieu right well, what what is the number one most downloaded song ever it's don't stop believe it yeah and it's a you know hitting that note at the end if you hit that at karaoke you're getting laid that <laughs> night the dude that walks up there oh, don't stop believing like you do that at karaoke, you're you're going home with some some chick that night. Well, <laughs> and you know. chicks dig singers at Eddie Ve- um, Eddie Vedder, Eddie Murphy. Yeah, said. yeah. <laughs> you know they do. They like people. Singing is the most visceral instrument. You know, because you, you you just relate to the human voice. Yeah. You could actually sing Whitney Houston's version of the national anthem in your full voice. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's almost inhuman. That's crazy. Well, that that that's some high notes. Yeah, in that one. Yeah, yeah I, I used to sing to Whitney Houston all the time. Have you all the time? Have you lost any notes from the top of your range? Is anything you fully? No, there? I haven't. And if you listen to my new record, "Give Them Hell," which um, I just did, which can, is very strong. Yeah, there's. There's notes on there that only dogs can hear. <laughs> but you know what? The older I get, I don't feel like doing that all the yeah, time. Right. I just, like, I can do it, but I, right. I don't feel, I, I'm not like this aggressive dude anymore. Yeah. I, I don't want to. The thing that happens. Yeah. But I don't want to burst anybody's bubble, but I don't, I'm not. Uh, as I get older, I'm not going to just try to be a teenager. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to look at singing like that i'm gonna sing whatever i want you know and it's not all gonna be angry and mad because i'm just not I'm, I'm i'm stoked i'm an i'm an author dude you're an author <laughs> i was I, I was i was thinking you know back back when um first of all it's so crazy that you had axel on your record and the label managed to screw that up you had axel on the record yeah. before chinese democracy you had the return of axel and I was and I was reading it and I was like 190 on the chart. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Way to go, guys. And Killer. It, you know, it, it, it 190 with an anchor. Yeah, that was just that that was just pure screw up on their part. That's it. You delivered them the thing and then they, you know. But, but it wasn't even a record. It's just a distribute. I didn't even have a record right, company. Right, it was right. like MRV records out of Louisiana. Like like it wasn't you can't compete with a major release. <laughs> 
I was saying, uh, I was saying to Matt earlier that that you know the uh, there was a time when I was reporting on you know actual Chinese democracy during the two thousands, and one of the only places you could find out anything was to <laughs> was to, to to talk to you. It you got know? a little out of hand at one point. You guys called me Axel's publicist. <laughs> no, <laughs> so I read <laughs> Sebastian Bach, Axel Rose's publicist. <laughs> I'm like, okay, that's enough. You, you said you said something interesting about, I think, in the book about Axel, which is that you were one of the few people on Earth who just treated him like a normal person, and maybe oh, yeah. that's why. Is that why you guys were able to vibe when he was? He has such a commanding presence in the room that I would watch, like people come backstage after the show, people that I knew and stuff, and I would watch them literally try to figure out what to say to him that he would like. And, and like, like they wouldn't just talk, like they, they would try to figure out how to treat him and, and stuff like this. Imagine how annoying that would be if everybody treated you like that. Yeah. You know? And I'm just like, what's up? You know, let's smoke <laughs> a joint. Let's fucking listen to some music. Let's, you know. Right. Let's get something to eat. <laughs> I mean, just totally normal, you know, because we came out at the same time. What, what so was- I, it wasn't like I listened to him that much before I was making my own record. Right, he wasn't your hero, he was no, just he, a peer. But yeah. No, but yeah. yeah, he's a peer, yeah. I, I, he's the best, yeah. but we came out at the same time. Like, yeah. like when I'm in a room with like Steven Tyler, I can't handle it, like, <laughs> or, or, or Van Halen. Yeah. Those guys are, are they, it freaks me out. Like it, it, it really does, I get really starstruck. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> What what was it like when you recorded uh, the vocals for Sorry with him uh, the uh, the Chinese Democracy track? That was um, at Electric Lady Studios, and he was having some fun with me. I was singing, and he goes, "Hey, Baz, <laughs> I take off the stop singing." He goes, "Hey, you know there's an area like between sharp and flat. I want you to aim like right in the middle of that." <laughs> <laughs> There's like a window there. Here, you, I want you to go right in the middle of that, okay? And then, huge laughter, and then I'm all fuck, man, I suck. I better fucking get it together. Wow. <laughs> oh, how 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 aware were you of just this whole? Th- I mean, you know, this is the here, here here you were working on this album that was already legendary. Yeah. For how long? It <laughs> yeah, took. yeah, yeah, and yeah. And it just seemed. Was it just chill or like what was that? What was that like? No, it was like manic. Yeah. Like, again, the engineers are like, what do we do to, to make this, you know, just, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It's yeah. like, sometimes you just got to know when you're done, you know? Yeah. You can, like the book, I, I could have kept tweaking it. I, yeah. You know, some of the pictures aren't cropped quite the way I want. Some of the, I left out Eddie Trunk's name and he's bummed out. <laughs> um, so there's st- stuff. But I could make better. But at some point, you got to let go. Yeah. Like it's like you could always work on music endlessly. Yeah. You were, know, sometimes you just got to let it go. Were there stories <laughs> that were too messed up, or but did you? How much yeah. did you actually leave out? Because it, it seems like a tell-all, but I bet you left it's, some. It's a tell-some. Yeah. It's a tell-some. Uh, what um, were the criteria? Give me. You know what? You know what? I did take out yeah. sex. I took out a lot of sex. Uh huh. Why? Because. Because when you read it back, it was like, and then she reached down and undid my fly and extracted my manhood, touched it to her lips. And I'm going, dude, is this penthouse form? Like, it was like, 
It's like Donald Trump grabbing somebody's pussy. It's like, dude, you're a creep. Yeah, like, right, right. It just didn't feel... You were, I, you were creeping yourself out, basically. Yeah, I'm like, what are you writing about? Like, what, what <laughs> kind of book is this? <laughs> That's you really know, Is funny. it about music? Is it about your dick? Right. Like, what is this about? Right, right. So I made it about music. Yeah. <laughs> my next book is going to be about my dick. Did it... <laughs> hey, Harper calls just gives me the thumbs up. Hey, listen. <laughs> Don't do the poster for that one. Well, <laughs> I think I covered that in yeah. this poster. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Suitable for framing. Yeah. Uh, wow. <laughs> Tommy Lee's book like is narrated by his dick. You remember right. that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, there it is again on the this page and this page and this. <laughs> did it? Did, is it true? Did it feel? And I think it did because it felt like. In the in in the late eighties, and you know, did it feel like rock and roll would sort of dominate forever? Did, did... Um. Well, yeah, you never, yeah, because it it had up to that point. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's what I was thinking about. Yeah. But then, then it just became about not having fun. We were all having so much fun, we got overloaded on the fun. Yeah, is what it seemed like, you know, like they say that uh, after the 60s, after Altamont happened, when the Be when the Eagles put out the song, take it easy, like take it easy, man. It's almost like the opposite <laughs> happened. It's like, it was like we were we were having fun and partying and taking it easy. And then it's like, hey, newsflash, heroin, suicide, depression. Yeah. You know, that's what it was. That's what music kind of became like. Do you think the, another, and I ask people this all the time, and it, do you think that there'll be another rock band that kind of hits with the impact of the 80s and 90s, another Nirvana, whatever, another? Well, the the thing that has to go away is Pro Tools. Yeah. And computerized production. None of the music that I hear on the radio now, like I try to get into it. I'm talking about rock radio, like big hit albums. They're so perfect that they don't sound like humans. Right. Like every note is perfect. Every drum hit, every guitar, it's, it doesn't resonate. Like one of my favorite moments in all of rock is at the end of Monterey Pop when Janis Joplin is singing Ball and Chain and the band stops and she goes up for a note and she can't hit it. Yeah. It's ball and chain. <laughs> and when she can't hit it, yeah. it's my favorite part. <laughs> like, why, you know? Yeah. But if she was recording now, that would be a perfect note, a perfect, nobody would, nobody would care. Right. I, I mean, I, I, if, when you say, will there be another rock band? Not if it's produced the way music is produced now. It's wow. The, it, it, the way we, all we listen to, all of us, is the seventies music, Aerosmith, and you know this is what we all listen to. Am I wrong? No, <laughs> I know I'm right. <laughs> why would you listen to something like that when you can put on Steely Dan Asia? Like why? Like why would you listen to something when you could listen to that? You know, <laughs> I mean, Maybe. one one sounds great, and one sounds like like an iPad or a video game or like a mosquito or, you know, like, yeah. I don't think that the way pr the albums are produced today, that it's not possible to, to relate to people like that so much. Well, looking back, it is amazing that you got to, 
you slipped right in there before mm-hmm. it all ended. You're right. And, and, and God got to make some great rocks and was making some yeah. great re- rock records, live the great rock lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, and as you're saying, like everyone, everyone's a rock star now, but <laughs> my dentist is a total rock star. Right. Dentist. <laughs> Fuck does that mean? <laughs> right. So, so you, you can feel, uh, you know, we have with us an actual rock star, Sebastian Bach. So, I'm not afraid to say yeah, it because yeah. that's what everybody tells me. Like, I'm sorry. Like God, anyway. I, I'm, I am more of a rock star than my dentist is. No offense to my dentist. <laughs> Um, so, so anyway, we, we've had with us uh, Sebastian Bach. Ryan, uh, thank you so much. Thank you. Definitely pick up Sebastian's uh, autobiography, which is fantastic. And, and thank you again to Mark Seliger for the cover of my autobiography and the poster. Thank you to Rolling Stone for making it so easy to, to get the picture. And I really think that that helps my book a lot. Thank you, Mark. You are the best. I will say you're welcome on his behalf. And uh, Sebastian, thanks so much for being with us. Now I have with me Andy Green from Rolling Stone. What's up, Andy? How's it much? How are you doing, Brian? I'm doing well. Uh, So Sebastian and I were talking, or Baz, I didn't call him that, but but, uh, (laughs) we were talking about his new book. And man, there have been a lot of rock books over the past few years, right? Right, yeah. I think what happened is the Eric Clapton one was a huge hit, then the Keith Richards one sold like crazy. So just every rock star that had never had never done one, they just started they they just <laughs> got book deals. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and Keith Keith Richards was a big deal. Yeah. Uh and now this year I think, you know, Springsteen has set maybe a new standard for how big these things can well, be. Well, because he's such a big name, man. He sold it so aggressively. He went on a full worldwide media tour. <laughs> well, what happens is these guys get as excited about their books as they do about their albums, especially with, with Bruce, I, who, who wrote it himself, yeah. or, or Keith, who didn't write it himself, but it really feels like he Yeah, he and sometimes yeah. they get more attention. If you think about the Morrissey book, I heard him say that his book got more attention than any album he'd done in like 25 years, and he was thrilled by that. I think the, and then of course, Patty Smith's book was amazing and, sure. and Dylan's book. Um, but the problem that we're seeing for publishers and maybe for readers is that are we running out of people who have not written their autobiographies? Yeah. I mean, you could think of a few big names that have yet to do it. I'm not sure they will. I know Mick Jagger's tried to do a book <laughs> and even had a ghostwriter, but it just didn't work out. There's a really fun, I was just reading the stories about that, which is that he, you know, yes, he had a ghostwriter. The guy was having a great time with him, uh, you know, following Mick all around the world. And uh, Mick was telling stories. And it turned out that Mick is so self-protective by nature that he couldn't dish even in the context of his own book. It was not only did he have this, from what I've read, they actually had a finished book by Mick Jagger. Right. And it was apparently the most boring book ever written. Right. And there was a Billy Joel book that was finished. And they told Billy that he had to go promote it all over the country and do talk shows and stuff. And he didn't want to do that. So he canceled the whole book. And... So, and also I was once interviewing Ringo Starr. I asked him about a book and he goes, they only care about eight years of my life. I'm sick of it. I'm not doing that. <laughs> so the eight years are from, uh, from 74 to 82. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Of course. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but I mean, Billy Joe was an interesting case because right. that was our friend Fred. Right. Uh, and he, he ended up taking the material that was going to be the ghostwritten right. Billy Joe book and turning it into a biography of, yeah. of Billy. I mean, I guess if you're Billy Joel. And you make a million dollars a concert 
and they come to you and the book deals what two million three million you know it's but you but but it's so much more work and you have to go sell it you're you're like i could just play the garden and i you know and get that same money then i have to go you know just tell all the secrets of my divorces and things i don't want to talk about well wasn't it also that billy was uncomfortable with with stuff in the galley and, and he just didn't want to go there that's that was what yeah. i thought i i think that it's one thing to talk about your life to somebody it's another thing to read it and i think the whole world reading it yeah and you're just like i don't want to talk about that marriage i don't want to talk about that divorce that was a hard time in my life and why should i go sell this in a way, I mean, people always talk about the prestige ones, the Patti Smiths, the right. uh, the Bob Dylans, mm-hmm. the Bruce Springsteens. Sometimes the <laughs> the non prestige. One of my favorites is the Sammy Hagar book, and the, it's and great, the, yeah. it's so. And and the, I, I think what it is, is is there's like as with all books, there's many levels uh, that you can enjoy them on, and with the dishy non prestige ones. Yeah, you're just in there. It's more of a just super trashy fun read. You're right. not looking for literary merit, right. In Sebastian's book or in Hagar's or, or book. in Hagar. Hagar's book is hilarious yeah. because he just goes for it. Well, and what Hagar says is, "I don't give a fuck." Yeah, I have like a hundred million dollars because of of my vodka brand I sold or 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 his tequila or whatever, and I'm going to tell the real story because most people in their books, what they're telling is a very safe version or a half true version or they're holding back from the real dirt yes well I, I, Sammy, I, 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 yeah i will say and i will go back to sammy i will say i talked yeah. once uh to a very famous rock and roll singer about working with them on their book uh-huh. um i will not name them and then they said you know i don't i won't do their accent either because i might give it away yeah. um but um they they said uh you know i don't want it to be a book where I, you know there's all this stuff with my former slash current bandmates but i don't really want to get into that and i think that was a warning sign because the yeah. problem is people want you to get into that right and there's some people that understand that and some people that just want to tell just their version of the truth which makes the which can make their book like you know a very boring source for information yeah or a wrong source or a wrong source yeah, yeah. yeah that's the thing I mean, there's sometimes when you read stuff that you know it's wrong, and it's now part of the official record. So right. they can sort of distort history in any direction they want, which is troubling. But I mean, yeah, I mean, the Sammy book is a great example because he just gives it to Eddie Van Halen. Yeah, which I could argue he was with Eddie during the worst moments of Eddie's life when he yeah. was a full-blown alcoholic yeah, and almost not responsible for his words or actions. And Sammy, who I love, one could argue, was maybe not... The greatest thing to do is to show the whole world <laughs> the lowest lows that this guy reached while he was battling a real illness. Yeah, oh, that's a, a that's an interesting argument. I, I think Sammy would probably say, like, listen, I was put through absolute hell. Yeah, and he was. And yeah. as a fan, I loved reading it. That's on my... That chapter about the 04 reunion tour is incredible. I believe all of it. <laughs> the one book, uh, you know, and I, I've, I've personally asked her to do it, uh, uh, th- that she should do it, is, is Stevie Nicks needs to write. But she needs to write the real book with everything. You know? Yes, and she will. I, I, think, I, think that I think if she chooses to do a book, it would be incredible. I think she's one of the last real big ones left. That would be a huge deal. She told me it wouldn't be the, the dirty sex book that everyone wants. Oh, and I was okay. like, can, can it be the clean sex <laughs> book that everyone wants? Because, I mean, you, you just, you know, you, you do want, I mean, you want a lot of things, but that is 
I mean, it's, Baz had a funny thing about uh, just now when he was talking about. He said he cut all the. Uh, for those who were listening, he 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 said that he he cut out a lot of the sex stuff because it was starting to seem like penthouse for him. Right. So maybe there's a point you you do want to draw the line somewhere. And yeah. in, in trying to think of other people, I guess Paul McCartney hasn't done one. He kind of did. He did an authorized book, you know, an right. authorized biography, but he didn't right. do a, a yeah he didn't do a full book and right you know what, I, what the reason i said because i think i asked paul and he yeah. pointed to that book as his right book, really. and someone like tom petty hasn't done one but he cooperated so fully with the warren zane's book that there's not much point and yeah. then there's like neil young that did two books but i think shaky where he cooperated is, is, a, is a better book yeah his books are valuable as sort of a peek into his psyche right but as if you want to actually know the neil young story i would recommend shaky yeah. right because there's always a trade-off if a book is not authorized you can get all sorts of dirt and cool information but it's from a distance then often if they're authorized it's right to the source but it can be cleaned up and kind of you know and distorted so that so there's a handful of books like shaky or the petty book where it's full cooperation but no control over yeah. the content that can be ideal well, i mean peter ames carlin's bruce book is very good Great. as well and it, and it and and that was a case where bruce cooperated and it, and it serves i think as a decent companion to oh, bruce's it's, book. it's a fantastic book and what's great about that it's it's the full band cooperated he talked to gary talent <laughs> yes it. who if most writers for a book if they phone up gary talent and say hey i want to talk to you for like nine hours about springsteen he'd be like no i'm not gonna do that yeah and gary was very funny in that book of course yeah but I, you know i there's also hip-hop artists are starting to do their books um nas is doing one mm-hmm. i'd like to see chuck d's book uh where I'm he really sh- goes into stuff you know i'm sure that will happen it's gonna be an interesting thing because i think if you if you air yeah. all of your views and your chuck d it might get into uh, dodgy territory so we'll see mm-hmm. um and it it's also uh, there's eddie vetter uh is a big one and th- th- yeah. there's rumors he might have uh, there might be something going on there that would be incredible i mean he's so much stuff he's never talked about yeah, I mean, I think his, and he's such a, as we know, he's such a, from my time talking to him and, and yeah. when you've talked, he's such a deep guy. He's such an interesting guy. Right. Um, but, and, and and I think people only have a very superficial idea of him. They don't know how funny he is. And a very dated idea. A very dated idea. So I would like to read that. I mean, uh, Dave Grohl has not done one. Uh, no. There's a book about him, but he has not, he has not done it. Yeah. And then we're all waiting for Bob Dylan's Chronicles Volume Two. Yeah, keep waiting, man. <laughs> um, I, I, I wondered, has there even been the slightest sense of what time periods Chronicles yeah, Two would cover? He discussed it in interviews in like 2006 and said he was working on it. He said he wanted to <laughs> wa- talk about this period in 1990 where he was simultaneously recording *Traveling Blueberries* three and *Under the Red Sky*. Wow. He said that he was doing one during the day and one by night, and he wasn't sleeping. He was going completely insane. <laughs> he said he wants a chapter on that. It's called An Argument Against Multitasking. Yeah. Yeah. And he wants to do a chapter about going to London in 1962 when he was in that BBC live play that's been, that's been erased. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, famously, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think he may have mentioned Blonde on Blonde. 
which would be amazing. That would be amazing. Yeah. Of course, we'd really like to hear so many things, but you know, among them, the uh, the motorcycle accident period. Well, that's what's so perverse about the first book. You're so excited, and then you realize that like almost half of this is about making Oh Mercy. <laughs> and yet he makes, of course, every detail of it fascinating, but there's a deliberate skipping over some of the stuff that people are begging to hear. Yeah, and then little throwaway lines, like I did one album inspired by Chekhov's short stories that's blood in the tracks, clearly by the timeline, but it makes no sense. You know, there's little... <laughs> lines in there that I've been obsessed with for over a decade. Yeah, just assume they're lies. Andy. Yeah, that, that's, I basically have, but yeah. when he says it, you have to give it some credence. I mean, I, I think I said to Springsteen, like, you know, that I, something like, uh, you know, you can't believe all the, and all the stuff in there about Chronicles, and, and, and Bruce said, like, you know, but that's what makes it great. Yeah. Um, so I, there's, Dylan is, yeah, Dylan is one who you need a sequel from. Um, and then, then is, but eventually we're going to hit peak rock book and there's just not they're gonna have to go to different eras they're gonna there's gonna move to the hip-hop books they're gonna you know yeah but but you could go to the 80s you could do michael stipe you could do robert smith there's all these people yeah michael stipe's book would be great and he he could write it himself that's a really that's a great point right i just the problem is you you do start to the generational power of a of a springs you know it's, it's just as music's power diminishes over the years the power of these books is gonna is gonna diminish as well oh yeah um so we've uh we've been talking rock biles we talked to sebastian bach and this has been uh, rolling stone music now we're gonna be back next week with another show in the meantime uh, you should go to rollingstone.com slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to come back and listen to us next week mm-hmm.